Guys, I want to share something with you that I'm really, really excited about. I've mentioned it a few times, but I am now a grief recovery specialist. And what that means is I help people actually recover from grief. Like you don't have to stay where you're at. I take people through one-on-one and groups and we really go through steps to identify first what's holding you back. Did you know grief is like having a bunch of rocks in your backpack? So we've got to unpack those and I give you step-by-step ways to actually move forward. So if you want to learn more about this, there's a link in the show notes that you can book a call with me. I do one-on-ones, I do groups. I would love to speak with you about how this could work for you. Thanks. Hey, welcome to Widow Too Soon. This is Mark Massaro. I'm here with my friend and co-host, as always, Michelle Bader Ebersole. Michelle, what's happening? Um, it's raining, unfortunately. Nice. In June. That's good. No, we had all this wonderful weather. Okay, so like on Mother's Day, it was 90 degrees. We went swimming, we did this whole thing. So Joel was gonna go out and do something fun with his son, like, and it ended up being like 60 degrees and raining. So that was a little disappointing mm. for Father's Day. But um, yeah, we're just in full on like four teenagers living here summer like they've all got like different jobs and things and like it's just a lot but it's good it's good it's a lot of fun um let's see this was our fourth father's day because i was thinking about even though it's been three years luke died like two weeks before father's day and so it actually was not hard my kids forgot it was father's day until on the way to church we were talking about it and they're like oh yeah i didn't think about it till till grandma texted me like luke's mom texted them i guess um and then i loved that they didn't make a big deal about it at church because it's so difficult, you know, like to bring it up. And then the kids feel bad that they don't have their dad. The only thing mentioned was the pastor talking about how he lost his dad. And so it was something they could relate to. Um, And yeah, it was a good time. We did stuff with my dad and then um, Joel and his son were able to do some stuff. I wasn't sure how my kids were going to go with everything. And I ask each one of them, I still, even though they're like big teenagers, I still say goodnight to them every night and pray with them. So I ask each one of them. That's cool. Yeah. And even, um, only one out of the three, um, said that they were sad and they said, well, you know, seeing, um, Grady with Joel and seeing you with Papa it made it hard for me, you know, like mm. that he doesn't have his dad. Um, but we did pretty good. I mean, it was a pretty good day. They don't, they didn't seem to be like too upset. I'm trying to think of what else. I don't know. You talk. It's been a while since we've heard from you. You talk. <laughs> you talk. It's, they've heard from me for like three episodes in uh, a row. They're that's like, funny. Like, where's Waldo? Where's Mark? So tell us yeah. like what you've Wait, been I'm doing. Waldo? I'm Waldo now. All right. <laughs> where's your striped so, shirt? <laughs> so uh, let's see. Gosh, I can't even remember what's it's okay. So I am officially a licensed and insured realtor for the Congratulations. state of Tennessee. That is so exciting. Uh, I made it. I started with my brokerage or, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to start basically. That's so if so anybody awesome. needs a house in Tennessee, I'm your guy. That's right. Um, and uh, that's the whole reason to do this podcast. Is <laughs> yeah, just why we started it. Advertising. We one day you would move and then one day you would do all this. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. why. So I've been building a network um, behind <laughs> the scenes. So um, let's see. Uh, I did get to go. Uh, gosh, there's been so many things that have happened since the last talk, but most recently, um, I got to go to Kentucky and go camping with my sweet Tina. We had a great nice. time. Um, it was really cool. Um, I got to uh, go to an event at her church and meet a lot of her people. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. I got the impression that they approved of me, but you know, you never mm-hmm. know. Um, I'm sure they that, did. That was cool. Um, gosh, there, there's just been a lot. I have uh, some stuff going on with my mom and uh, mm-hmm. that's been hard, but um uh, you know, I can't, I can't even begin to get into that, but, um, and then I'm going actually back to Kentucky to oh, cool. see my in-laws in a couple of days. And so that's really neat. We haven't seen each other for a while. Um, they just wanted to take a trip to Tennessee. They're in like, Lacey's uh, they're parents? coming to visit, uh, yeah. Lacey's parents, they're coming to visit us, but oh. they're, uh, we're doing some, we're going to some fun place that's in Kentucky. Nice. Um, so they're going to the Ark encounter, which I've done. Oh, which is awesome. awesome. Yeah. And, I remember you talking uh, about that. Yeah. And they went to like, uh, the Louisville, uh, baseball bat, like museum or something like that. And they said that was really neat. I'm excited to hear about that. And so then we're kind of on the, uh, the tail end of their trip with their, we're going to hang out with them for a few days. So, um, that's super exciting. So, you know, there's been a lot that has happened, um, since the last time I talked on here, but that's, that's the gist. I've just been very, very busy. So 
Sorry, well, everyone. <laughs> I can speak for all of us. We're so proud of you, all your accomplishments with your GED. Thank you. Your, is it called like your real estate license? Is that what yeah, you got? Yeah. Yes. So I am a uh, affiliate broker. Um, okay, cool. In the state of Tennessee. So yeah. Yay. So it's been exciting. It was a lot of hard work to get to this point. So, so I can't believe that? I did it. I know it's so awesome. What does that mean? Like, are you showing houses or is that like down the road? Yeah, I can do everything. I can sell so houses, cool. um, help people buy houses. I can do all of it. It's just that I'm not a broker. Mm -hmm. So I have to be working under a broker. Okay, so it. it's just a way that they um, maintain ethics and standards is a broker is held to a higher level and affiliate brokers are underneath the broker and he's he or she is responsible for making sure their affiliate brokers are following the laws and, um, you know, all ethics and standards and things like yeah. that. So, um, yeah. So I've joined all these associations of realtors um, so that I can actually use the word realtor because it's illegal oh, to say okay. you're a realtor if you're not actually um, a member of these, you know, associations or whatnot. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my, my spiel. So yeah, look me awesome. up. I'll sell you a house. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So anyways, so, um, well, today we have a um, special treat for you guys. We are sort of switching gears and trying to do more um, interviews. So all you folks can hear stories, other people's stories that we know a lot of people have really, um, you know, hard things that they've all, you've all have been through. And so we just thought it might be something that you'd relate to hearing more and more stories. So um, today we have with us Kim Lancaster. How are you doing, Kim? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Thanks so much for being a guest yes. on our show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I mean, we'll just like get into it. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? And I mean, start back as, as far, you know, as long back. So let me let me start over and say it in can, English. Can you talk? <laughs> I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've had a lot of reading lately. Um, as far back as you would like, I mean, you know how you guys met, what your marriage was like, whatever, wherever you want to start just to like, tell us your story. Okay. Um, Mike was my second husband and he was 18 years older than I am. And um, so I had been married before he had been married before. So we kind of knew, you know, what we wanted. We've kind of been through mm -hmm. all the other. We um, met at work. And we were married for 12 years when mm. he died. We have been together for 17 years. And um, he actually had cancer when we got married. He had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, wow. yeah, so he fought that for 15 years. And then, you know, COVID, he got COVID. Mm. But, um, we had a good marriage. We had, you know, he was older and that's what I liked about him. There was no drama. There's no, mm -hmm. I mean, we just had a good marriage. He had two older children. I have my two children. We had grandkids together and he had just retired. And, you know, we were getting ready to live our lives, start traveling. And he was only retired about six months before he got sick. Mm, gosh, that's terrible. I mean, and of course, nobody has a perfect marriage, but, you know, we had a, we had a really good marriage. Absolutely. And I'd love to meet the person who had a perfect marriage, but right. <laughs> we understand what it means to have a really good marriage. And it's just uh, loving each other and having a deep respect for one another. And, um, you know, everybody's going to argue. I mean, you're bringing two people together. Everybody's going to have conflicts and stuff like that, but it's how you resolve them. It's how you get along, obviously, that makes a good marriage. And I understand what you're saying. It's crazy because um, my wife, Lacey, and I were also married 12 years, also together 17. She also had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, okay. which is kind of crazy. Um, gosh, so how long, how long was he sick for? With COVID or? With COVID, I'm sorry, yes, with COVID. Um, he got sick at the end of April of 2021. Actually, it was April the 25th. It was a Sunday night because we were supposed to go to a um, Josh Baldwin concert, a worship concert. Mm. And um, he was coughing. He had a really bad cough. And I was joking with him. I said, we can't go because they're going to think you have COVID. And um, so we stayed home. And he wasn't feeling any better Monday. He stayed home from work, which was a red flag for me because he never you know, he very rarely missed work. He was still working part-time. He just couldn't give it up completely. And then when I got home, I had to work that day. I got home that Monday night and he was still in the bed. And I knew then 
that something was bad wrong. So the next morning we went to his doctor and um, they didn't do a COVID test because he had been vaccinated. They just assumed that he didn't have it. He was mm-hmm. right. And they started doing the vaccinations and didn't really know about breakthrough infections and all that. And um, But it did have pneumonia on his x-ray on both sides. So they gave him some antibiotics and sent us home. And a couple of days later, I had to take him to the ER. And that's when I found out he had COVID. Um, I was waiting in the waiting room. They said, if his COVID test is negative, then you can come back. And I waited about two hours. And I finally called back there. And they were like, Miss Lancaster, I'm sorry, but he's positive for COVID. And, um, you know, I just, I just couldn't believe it. And, I, you know, I had to go home and leave him there. And mm-hmm. um, they only kept him one day that time. And he came home on April the 30th. But I had to take him back. Just a few days later, he got really sick. Um, his oxygen level was like in the 70s if he got up and walked. Oh, my back. gosh. Yeah. So took him back to the hospital. And um, three days later, he was on the ventilator. Mm. And I Luckily, I, they did let me see him. Our anniversary is May the 13th. And so I was trying to get in to see him so that, I mean, the 12th. I was trying to get in to see him before our anniversary. And um, they did let me see him. I think I got it in a good period. It was before the, um, you know, it was after the first wave, but before the second wave hit. Mm-hmm. So I was actually able to see him and stay with him just about every day. And um, he was on the ventilator for a week and he came off and he was doing really well. Um, They had him almost on no oxygen. He was starting to, you know, drink some insurance, trying to get him up on the side of the bed and things like that. And, you know, a couple of days later, I don't know what happened. He just, he got sick again and he crashed and went back on the ventilator almost a week to the day later. And um, they called me the night that he went back on and I got to talk to him for a minute. He told me that he loved me and that everything was going to be okay. And um, he went back on the vent and I never talked to him again. It's mm. so hard. Gosh. Wow. Gosh, that's terrible. I mean, and so from it, do you, do you feel like that from his cancer that he had before, that that had <laughs> anything to do with it? <laughs> I think, you know, he had, of course, he had a weakened immune system from that because over the 15 years that he had the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, he had relapsed multiple times. But he had also had two widow-maker heart attacks that he had survived. So his heart function was low. But, you know, he'd always pulled through 15 years of cancer, two major heart attacks. And, I, you know, everybody just thought Mike's going to pull through because that's just what he always does. Mm. Gosh, and, and when when was it that he passed? He um went on the hospital went in the hospital on April the 25th at our hospital, our local hospital. They right. lifelighted him out on May the 26th to Savannah, which is a larger hospital, about two and a half hours away. And he died there June the 10th. Oh my gosh. So it was like 40 some odd days that he was in the hospital. Mm. So wow. And so what was what was going through your head when you found out he passed? I mean, I know that's a loaded question, but just, if, you know, what did you feel in that moment? Was it like disbelief? Yeah, we, um, I actually had to take him off the bin. The, they sat down with us and told us he died on a Thursday. So two days later, two days before they had sat down and told us that they had done all that he could, they could do for him. And they, they thought that it was time to start thinking about, you know, taking him palliative care, taking him mm-hmm. off of everything. And so we were trying to decide when, because we have grown children that we were trying to get rounded up so that everybody could be there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was staying in Savannah, going back and forth between my house and Savannah. And um, Wednesday, they called me early Wednesday, well, Thursday morning, and they said, We've done all we can to keep him alive during the night. We've got on every medication we have to keep him alive for you. But if you're going to do it the way you want to do it, then y'all need to come on up here. So mm-hmm. I had to call everybody and get them up there early that Thursday morning and um, took him off the ventilator and he lived maybe five minutes. Maybe. Oh my gosh. It was very quick. I didn't have to 
you know, sitting there and watching suffer, but my children had not seen him in six weeks. His children, his sons were able to come see him, but my kids weren't able to. And um, so my daughter, like he basically raised them. Their father lives here, but he was, they considered him their father. And I was trying to tell him what was going on, but it just wasn't, like they didn't want to believe he was as sick as I was saying he was. And I knew that the only way that I knew that the only way that they would be able to believe it was if they saw him. Mm-hmm. And when my daughter walked in the room, she took one look at him and she literally just hit her knees. And it was, mm. you know, but that's what it took for them to understand why I was doing what I was doing. You know, mm-hmm. they had to see it to know that I wasn't just making, you know, some rash decision or whatever. But <clears throat> it just seemed surreal. Like I don't, yeah. I drove home. But I don't remember driving home. Right. Mm. I asked them, I was like, I drove home, right? And they were like, yeah, you did, mama. (laughs) But yeah, you know how it is. It just doesn't seem like it's your life. That would seem, that would be a good way to describe it. Yeah, such a hard position to be in. Um, I want to take it back a little bit. I was looking through um, our notes that we had talked about before the podcast. Can you tell the listeners a little bit and tell us about what happened the first time he was on the ventilator? Something really amazing happened. When he came off the vent, he was um, what I thought was confused because he had been on the vent for a week, sedated, paralyzed, all this. And he was telling me that he was seeing people in the room that I couldn't see, but he also described, he asked why they woke him up, that he was in a beautiful place, that he was in heaven. He has, he saw my grandparents, his grandparents, his parents, friends of his who had passed away. And um, yeah, he, he went to heaven, wanted to know why they brought him back. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he asked me, he said, um, he said, did I die? He said, did my children have to go to my funeral? And I said, no, baby, you're okay. You're getting better. He said, they didn't have to fly me in a helicopter to Savannah and I didn't die there. And I said, no. And that kind of, there was so much going on that that kind of just left me at that moment. But when I put him on the helicopter to send him to Savannah, oh wow, that is when it hit me. I was like, he's going to die. Like I just put him on that helicopter to Savannah and he knows he's going to die. And he saw that he was going to die. He's going to die. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But he knew my daughter was pregnant before. I mean, he said, I'm sorry that I won't be here to see Morgan have her baby. We didn't even know mm. she was pregnant at the time. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, he just, he knew, he knew he was going to die. Wow. Such an amazing gift that he was able to tell you to give Mm -hmm. you peace of mind. And I wish at the time, you know, so much is going on that sometimes you don't want to see things for what they are, or maybe can't see things for what they are. But now looking back, there was so much that happened leading up to that. Like, I think he knew a couple of months before he died that something was going to happen because just the way he interacted with me at night changed. He would, he used to always tell me he loved me before he went to bed, but it swapped to, I hope you will always know how much I love you, like every night. And then he would start telling me, you need to learn how to live without me. Mm-hmm. And which he was 18 years older. So we kind of knew from the get go that barring some, you know, major something that he would probably go before me, that it wasn't something that I just, I didn't want to talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think he knew, I think he knew something was going to happen. Wow. That's, that's wild. I mean, it's, it's hard for, even when, uh, you know, we've all been through, these stories of our own and stuff. And I mean, I've seen, I saw some crazy things happen um, while Lacey was sick and, and after and um, but nothing like that. And so how did, how did you feel after the fact? I mean, did you have like a peace? No, because I remember a moment where I felt like the Lord was telling me like, she's with me and where she is, is where you want to be. And I just had this feeling that like, 
she doesn't want to come back. Right. And, and, I, and that brought me peace. I don't know about you, but Mike was very connected to the Lord. Like he had, he had this connection that I've always been a little jealous of. Like, you know, when he got one of the times that he relapsed, he um, got really, really sick and he was ready to give up. Like he was losing weight and he was just the sickest that he had ever been. And the Lord told him in a visitation that he needed to live, that he had a grandson coming. And once again, we did not know at this time that we had a grandson coming the next year. So he's always had a connection. Like I wish, you know, wish I could have. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting because it, what I feel like a lot of times it comes down to is some people are, are more gifted at, um, knowing when the Holy Spirit is talking to them yeah. mm-hmm. or when we're just kind of making things up on our own kind of a thing. Cause I've seen people with that similar skill where, um, it, it's almost like the Lord speaks to them in a different way than right. he speaks to me. And I know what you mean. There's a part of you that's like, I want him to speak to me like that, <laughs> but, but you also kind of understand that, you know, we all have different gifts. And I, I mean, I know people that have the gift of prayer and, and just when they pray, it's, it's so much different than when other people pray. And I just feel like they have this direct hotline to God that the rest of us haven't gotten the phone number yet. Kind of a thing. Um, and so what kind of, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You got that. What you were asking about peace of, I had a lot of peace of mind just because he had, been through so much like a lot of so much of our marriage you know was spent he was sick whether it was the cancer or you know he had been through so much and he was tired he was starting to tell me I'm just tired my body's tired my mind is tired I'm tired of feeling like I'm always fighting you know Mm. but I kept after he died I kept getting this verse that I had never ever really given much thought to, but it was just everywhere. Just and at Psalm 116, 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Mm. And it just was everywhere. And it just reminded me that he is where he's supposed to be, that the Lord mm. has him. And it was just his time. The Lord wanted him back. Wow. That's so tough. You know, it's interesting is uh, that for some reason that this reminded me of that. Um, when I when I went to go handle the funeral arrangements for my wife, um, or not the, you know, whatever, I won't get into the details of that. But the woman who worked at the place was telling me that she said, you're a believer, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, it's very interesting to me. You can totally see the difference between a believer when they're experiencing loss and someone who's not. I've also, I also had heard that from my wife's hospice nurses um, that they said, it's just a very different experience for believers um, even when they pass. Um, Because these, these hospice nurses that um, I used to talk to all the time, they dealt with this all the time. They deal with death regularly. And so they all kind of told me the same thing separately that um, when people are believers, it's like always generally speaking a much more um, they're much more at peace with it. Um, And it's generally the people that aren't believers that kind of fight to, they fight the, um, the reality of what they're going through, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And gosh, that's, that's horrible. And so for you, what were like, what did the first couple months look like for you? Oh, the first month, I don't even really remember. You know, mm-hmm. you're so you're so busy trying to do all the paperwork and all the death stuff mm-hmm. that you're kind of preoccupied for a little while. But then once yeah. that's gone, it's like it's like I was explaining, trying to tell somebody, it's like a deafening silence. Mm. It's like you're sitting there and it's just, it's just quiet and it's just lonely and it's, you know, your person is gone and people don't realize that when you lose a spouse, it's like everything from the minute your feet hit the floor in the morning changes, mm-hmm. like everything changes the way you go to bed the way you get up the way you get ready for bed the way you go to work the way you I mean 
every little nuance of your life has changed. Absolutely. It was was just the reality was just for a long time was more than I thought I was going to be able to take. Mm. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand that as I know most of our listeners understand exactly what you're talking about that that deafening silence, that's a really good way to put it because I remember, I think I even told you this, Michelle, in the beginning that like, even though I have two little kids in the house, I was like, it's silent. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. there's kid chatter going on, yeah. but there was, it's, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Michelle. Feeling, yeah. No, I'm kind of interrupting you. I just, it's like a feeling you can't explain. It's not just yeah. a sound, it's a feeling. Like yeah. You can be in a room full of people that still feel like you're completely empty. Yeah. 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 And you're right. Even down to every little detail, um, mm-hmm. brushing your teeth. Like if you guys used to do that side by side or yeah. whatever, everything is alone. Yeah, everything. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's weird. Like your laundry changes all of a sudden yeah. it's different loads of laundry. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's things that people who haven't experienced it just, it's not in any mean way that they don't understand. I'm thankful they can understand, yeah. but like, it's just things that they wouldn't think about yeah. because they don't think about just how involved every single thing is. All the inside jokes, all the inside yeah. jokes are gone. You know every I mean? little you calls to see if you're on your way home from work or text you to, you know, what do you want for supper? I mean, all the little things that you take for granted that really mm-hmm. you realize are so important mm-hmm. in yes. your daily routine. Absolutely. I remember when I first started um, dating Tina, one of the things that she kept telling me was it's so nice to have somebody to tell about my day again and ask them about their day. And it's funny, the things that we just think are just normal that when they're gone, that stuff is gone. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's gone, too. And I mean, there's just there's so much stuff and so many things that you have to learn how to do for yourself that 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 he did and now you have to do yeah. and that's in addition to all the paperwork and stuff you were talking about that's um and it can just be overwhelming and you're supposed to deal with all that stuff on top of having grief but and like my, you can't you know, my kids are grown so it was just mm. basically just me mm. and just sitting here with all those thoughts and it's just what what was it you mentioned a verse that helped you so what else helped you get to a better place emotionally, spiritually? What what were some of those things that maybe in the beginning or currently help you? Um, you know, for, for the first few months after Mike died, I found myself drawing closer to God, but then I think some anger set in. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's normal. I don't know. But then I started questioning why and... Mm-hmm. So I've drew back and now I'm trying to get back to the place that I was before he died. But, um, you know, he has a way of working. Like if I had talked to you back in September and you had asked me, do you think that you will ever date again? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Like not even on my radar, not even across my mind. Do you ever think you could love anybody again? Nope, never, never. But the Lord has a way of, bringing you what you maybe don't know that you need Mm -hmm. so I've been seeing somebody for about six weeks now and it's Mm -hmm. um you know it just changes your perspective it just that's awesome congratulations yeah congratulations it's that's uh that's one of those things that I'm sure was very very difficult at first I, I know it was um but then also there's this huge like you have this gratitude for, mm-hmm. for um, any of the small stuff. And right. it, it just feels like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to take anything for granted again. Yeah. And it's just so nice to have somebody text you, hey, how was your day mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, I'm really happy for you. Yeah. And was so, it hard for those around you? Um, They're still, you know, they're still dealing with it. My children. Sure. The children are, you know, they're getting used to it, but yeah, that's understandable. I, you know, I, I totally understand that. Uh, and I'm sorry, Michelle, I cut you off. You were going to say something. Oh no, I was just going to say, has it brought you any grief dating again? Um, not as much as I had been afraid that it would, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, sometimes 
I don't feel, I know a lot of people say they felt guilty, you know, for dating again or, or loving again or what, but I don't, I don't necessarily feel that. I don't because I know what he Good. wanted from me because yeah. he always told me that. And so that helped. Mm. That helped a lot. But, you know, the holidays are still like Father's Day was hard. Father's Day was a lot harder for me than I even anticipated. Mm. And I don't really know why. Mm. But it just, I woke up with a heaviness on that day yesterday that I just, I wasn't expecting. Well, and it's like, because we've said before, grief is weird. <laughs> it doesn't always make sense why you feel it, you know? Um, it could be a Tuesday. It could be Mother's Day. It could be Christmas. It could just be the 15th right down the month or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 Seeing something, a restaurant you used to eat at, and it brings a memory back. And um, yeah, it's. It can be incredibly, incredibly difficult. And I'm I'm really uh, happy for you that you found mm-hmm. someone. I want to encourage you in that. And also, um, yeah, just uh, proud of you for not being, um, not feeling guilty. Because that's, that's, yeah. that's something that's from the enemy. Because yeah. you don't have anything to feel guilty about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. So, sorry, Michelle, did I cut you off again? <laughs> No, I keep no, no. like I keep cutting you off. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, I love what I'm seeing, Kim. Like you have a really beautiful smile, and like it's so great to see widows on the other side of it. Not that we're ever on the other side, you know what I mean? But yeah. you're not feeling that initial awful pain. I just talked to a three-week-old widow the other day. Now that's like a baby, baby widow, and yeah. just hearing her fresh pain it just reminded me of how horrible that time period is and how you don't can't see yourself getting to where you are or mark dating somebody and loving somebody and me loving somebody again you don't realize that you can get there but you can and I think that's what people need to hear is that yes it's dark yes your pain is just as bad as you think it is it absolutely Mm -hmm. is but there are brighter days yes there really are yes which is my exact question I was going to ask you next. And you just did part of it. What, what advice would you give to a new widow? Is that it? That there'll be brighter days. And yes, it Mm -hmm. it does get better. And I know you can't see it right now because I couldn't either. I couldn't even see this part of my life six months ago. Right. But the Lord has a way of bringing you what you need, even when you don't know what you need. Mm. And, um, you know, that and grieve your way. Don't let anybody tell you how to grieve, how long you should grieve you know, and that big thing, this has always been a big thing for me. You always hear, don't make any major decisions the first year, but you know, sometimes you have to, Yep. like sometimes you have to, like I had to move out of my house five months after my husband died. And so you just do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's- if you feel like you're making a sensible decision and it yeah. feels rational to you, I don't, I don't, Michelle and I don't, we both don't adhere to the traditional advice. We feel like everything Mm -hmm. is situational. Um, And so if you feel like you're in a place to make decisions in the first year, don't, don't take that advice and be like, well, I can't because it hasn't been a year yet. Like you do what you need to do. um, And if you feel like you're making a smart decision, don't feel like there's some rules that you need to follow. It's, it is, I think it's good advice to not, um, not make big decisions from an irrational, um, you know, if you know you're in the thick of it and you're not thinking clearly, that's not a good time to be making big decisions. Um, Cause one of the first things I thought was I'm moving out of state and I'm getting out of here. Like I need a new start, but um, I decided not to, because I knew at that time I was thinking irrationally. I waited until I felt like I was, more level-headed and kind of had a better grasp on my reality. And then I started thinking about it again. And um, obviously, you know, I'm here in Tennessee now, but um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that you were able to, you know, do what you needed to do to move forward um, in any way that you can. And especially like if you had to, but um, gosh, it's just so difficult. It's, it's, it's such a reminder hearing somebody else's stories of mm-hmm. um, just the pain that we've all been through. But it is so interesting that like we can just hear you talking and just completely relate to everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. And so can all of our listeners. I know that there's so many people that understand. We've had other guests who lost their spouse to COVID and we mm-hmm. know of some uh, quite a few that 
uh, haven't even been guests, but I know that is quite a popular one in our audience. It's usually, um, I'd say cancer and COVID were probably yeah. the most that I've heard. Yeah. Um, um, but there's all kinds of tragic um, losses. They're all tragic, you know, yeah. um, whether you saw it coming, whether you didn't see it coming and you're a little bit in that you're in that like middle ground. Right. So Michelle and I saw it coming for a long time. Um, other people I know, it was instant. Right. And, and you right. were kind of in that, right. you slowly saw it coming over a very, very short period of time. Um, you know, and I've, a friend shared an analogy with me that I like. So it's like for, for Michelle and I, somebody was slowly, painfully ripping off a Band-Aid. That hurts. For other people I know, the Band-Aid was just yanked off and that hurts. Mm -hmm. um, there's no there's no easy way about it. They're both terrible. And yours is right there in the middle. It was like they were slowly ripping off the Band-Aid and then just yanked it yes. off. Right. Um, yeah. And so it's uh, I appreciate you, you know, coming on here and sharing your story because it's 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 really moving, especially I was really moved by the part um, where you were talking about that he like foresaw. Mm -hmm. um, that yeah. he was in heaven. Those stories are so fascinating to me because I don't know if you've heard episode one, but um, my my wife had an experience with Jesus and yeah, that's I mean, still to this day. I mean, it's almost been three years, um, which is crazy. And that's still when I think about it, like gives me chills and makes my neck hair stand up. But it's hard to convey to somebody what I saw in that moment, but I will forever remember how yeah. real that felt and how terrifying it was. And for me, for Lacey, it was a beautiful gift. For me, it was really scary. Um, but then I had a friend tell me like that that's what everybody's, everybody throughout the Bible, when they had an, an encounter with God, they were terrified and then they fell to their knees. And that's exactly what I did. It wasn't planned, but I just remember being so afraid and the only way I know how to describe it is I wanted nothing to do with it. It just freaked me out. But then after she started talking for a few minutes, I just fell to my knees. Like I didn't go to my knees. I fell to my knees and started praising him. And um, I'll never be able to convey to somebody what that experience was like. And just like you, even though the, you know, the story is so touching nobody's going to understand what that was like from your perspective, unless they've also been through something like that. But um, it's just interesting that, you know, God still works. Mm -hmm. God's still doing things. And everybody thinks, well, why doesn't God do miracles anymore? And, he does. you know, and there's a lot of those difficult questions, right? Of like, why didn't he save this person or that person? We, we don't know those answers, um, but we know he's still working because we, we see the stories and, here we hear the stories and and see the you know the people talking about it and stuff like that but um, who doesn't guarantee to answer our prayers the way that we want them right. right right but because for a long time when he was in the hospital i would pray to heal him pray for healing pray for, but a few nights before he died i just hit my knees in the hotel room and i was like lord i've got to give this to you yeah i just want what is your will mm -hmm. for him and it's like, once I did that, I was able to release some of that built up. Sure. I, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I just had to let it go. Mm -hmm. And, and it. the, the thing that's hard for us to understand from an earthly perspective is he did heal him. Right. He did answer your it's prayers. It's not the way I, you know, right. initially wanted. Right. But with this earth being our temporary home, it's it's hard to remember that sometimes because right. we just see the here and now and we forget that our eternal home is heaven. And this is just a grain of sand uh, in in time. And uh, so he did heal him. He did heal Lacey. He did heal Luke. Um, it's yeah, just like you said, just not in the way that we wanted. Um yeah. But, you know, when you have that perspective and that understanding, it does make it, for me anyways, it made it, I didn't feel sorry for Lacey. I was happy for her. Yeah. I only felt sorry for my kids and myself and my family. You know what I mean? And that's a lot easier to cope with than than feeling sorry for Lacey that she lost her life, you know, um, because she didn't really lose her life. She gained real life. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. 
Is it, go ahead, Michelle. I can see. Oh, I was just going to say, you can see when I'm ready to yeah, yeah. Ask another I- question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Kim, could you tell us what has been the most challenging part about being a widow? I think just learning how to, I think getting used to being alone. Yeah. Because for two years, I mean, literally, I didn't do anything. And getting, I think, finding out who, you find out who your friends are. Yeah. You find out who the real people are in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think just maybe seeing some people, being disappointed by people. Yeah. And just getting used to being by myself. I think it is so hard. Mm -hmm. The loneliness. Right. Right. Just loneliness. And what are some things that have helped you through that? Like, have you discovered any new hobbies or things you like to do or how do you deal I with had that? two grandchildren. And mm-hmm. so um, I kept the first one who was born after Mike died. I kept him for six months and then okay. my daughter had a baby. So I kept her for a year. Oh, and nice. um, so I have a total of six grandchildren and nice. between all of them, that really has been my saving grace. Yes. Just spending time with them and you know, that's, that's beautiful. Really yeah. yeah. That's and I know, I know that kept you busy. Yeah. <laughs> that that <laughs> keeps your mind occupied for sure. Yeah. But wow. I'm starting to work more now. I was able to take off a little while after he died and um, I'm a nurse. And so okay. for, and so when I'm reading back, like when I was in the hospital, I kept a record every single day of everybody I talked oh. to, all his vital signs, what they did that day. And I was just sitting here looking through it before I talked to y'all. And I'm looking at it like, Kim, you're a nurse. Like, you should be able to have looked at this and know what this was going to, what this was leading to. But you don't, when it's your own family, I think you just, it's different. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How is that being a nurse, having dealt with, (laughs) you know, just what your husband went through? Is that hard being back in that environment? Um. Not, not really because um I do dialysis. I'm a dialysis. Okay. okay. And um so I don't see a whole lot of that like I used to. Yeah. But um it's been a help for me to get back. Mm-hmm. You know, I've spent time with my grandkids, but I mean, like I was talking to babies all day long. I need some I needed some adult <laughs> conversation. Yes. yes. So it's really been good for me to get back into more of a routine like that. Mm-hmm. that's good i i actually did have a, a hard time uh i did cabinetry we did a lot of work for hospitals and so when i went back to work yes it was great until the first time i went to a hospital to do an install and i started looking around and recognizing all this medical equipment and yeah. um you know the different i mean you would know all this stuff i don't know i don't even remember i've chosen to forget all that stuff but I, oh man i had to like i told the guy and i'm not this kind of employee like i stick I stick to what we're doing. I try to be a hard worker, you know, and um, yes, sir. No, sir. um, Kind of mentality. And I had to tell this guy, he's like a mentor to me, but um, he was a coworker. And I had to tell him, I was like, I'm sorry, man, I need to go outside. I just can't be in here right now. Another time we were doing work at um, the children's hospital where like a lot of kids with cancer. And that was just, it was intense. It was hard to be in there, but, um, but that's, so I know why you were asking that, Michelle, is what I was yeah. kind of getting well, at. Back in February, I was going to take a job at actually at the first hospital my husband was at doing dialysis in ICU. Oh, wow. He mm-hmm. was on dialysis in ICU. And I did wow. not feel at that time that I was ready for that particular job. Yeah, so that'd be hard. I'm just working back in a dialysis clinic right now. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you're right, Michelle. I mean, that was <clears throat> that was something that I couldn't do yet. Right. Mm. Right. That's great though, that you've, you've, um, you know, that you got, you have adults to talk to again. Cause I, I, I know how that is. Uh, I was funny. Cause at first I found myself when I would talk to adults, I talked to them like they were little kids. And I'm like, so you guys going to go, you guys are going to go to the movies later, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, they're like, you don't have to talk to them like little kids. Like, you know, Do you I'm need like, to sorry. Go potty? Yeah, right. <laughs> Calling myself my grandma name. Y'all don't come to Mim's house. Wait, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so funny. where where would you say that you are today? Is it, you know, like as Michelle has described it, where at first it's like 
you know, there's grief clouds just covering you. And then after a little bit, sometimes you'll see like a ray of sunshine. And now would you say that you're in that phase where it's more sunshine and every now and then the rain cloud comes over? Yes. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. We love to hear that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That's, that's encouraging too, for those of you listening that are in the beginning stages. Um, I cannot tell you how many widowed people that Michelle and I have talked to, and it's all the same thing. With the season you're in right now is insanely difficult, mm-hmm. but please remember that. Please remember that it is a season mm-hmm. and this season seasons change. And so what you don't feel today, because as Kim mentioned, as Michelle has said, as I have said, as Tina said, and the list goes on and on. The thought of dating again was like, never, nope, yeah, never, never. Nobody ever will touch my heart in that way ever again. And then, like Kim said, the Lord can change your heart, can change your circumstances, can change your desires. Um, and uh, so just hang in there and fight your way through this season, knowing that brighter days are ahead. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, just keep just keep working towards that goal. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to actually bring it back to you, Mark, for a second, um, because I realized I didn't ask you, how was Father's Day for you this year? Oh, you know, it was uh, it was really I actually um, I wasn't I was with Tina the day before Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she took me out to took us out to a really nice dinner and um, wrote me a really beautiful card. And we just spent time together and, um, you know, just spent a lot of time telling me what a great dad I am, which, um, was really sweet. My daughter made me, um, a really beautiful, like she's so crafty. She's 10 years old, but she made me this like pop-up card. So it's, it's, it's half of a heart, but then when you open it, it's obviously a full heart. And then this little picture pops up when you open it of, uh, her and I standing there holding hands and she's telling me happy father's day. Um, so it was, it was really sweet. It really touched my heart. And she, um, you know, she woke up early in the morning and was um, washing all the dishes um, oh. so that I didn't have to do it. Yeah, she's 10, right? Isn't that crazy? Amazing. Um, and uh, so it was sweet. You know, it's it's been better than years past for sure. It's really, um, I also had Tina last Father's Day, but it is, uh, we've obviously grown a lot since then. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really sweet to have somebody to um, tell you happy father's day again, yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you know, my mother-in-law called me, I spoke, I spoke with my father-in-law and that's, that's awesome. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple other, my brother called me to say happy father. So it was good. good. It was good. Oh, wow. I did, I didn't have uh, a ton of grief or anything like that. Um, I honestly, I can't recall having any at the, right. actually I did, I did get a memory where Lacey wrote me a really sweet Facebook post for father's day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that just made me smile, you know, right. it, which is nice. It's nice to be at this point in life where the memories aren't crushing, you know, yes. the memories, the memories can make you smile again. And, yes. you know, you, you still miss them, of course, like crazy. But uh, so anyways, yes, Father's Day was great. Thanks for asking. Yes, you're welcome. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say, Kim, before we wrap it up? Um, just to thank y'all for what y'all are doing, because you know, like I said before, y'all were one of the first podcasts that I came came up on and just knowing that what I was feeling was normal, that I wasn't going crazy despite <laughs> me feeling like I was going crazy and just being able to tune in <clears throat> and just know, you know, see the changes in you and see the changes in myself and just be able to follow along and just know that you are making a difference. Oh, thank, thank you. That means really a lot. really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, gosh, how encouraging it's, uh, it's one thing to read emails and posts like that, but to actually have somebody who's been listening to us for a long time, tell us that it really means a lot. Thank you. This is, uh, this is, that's the hope, right. Is that we can point people to Christ, help people know that, um, that they're in dark season, like I was saying, and that, you know, to just hang in there and, uh, great job great job being coming yes. on this side of it. Yes. It's, you know, it's obviously the Lord's work, but it's also your work um, that mm-hmm. you've put into it to, to find healing. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Mark, do you want to go ahead and praise out?
Sure. Yes. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for this um, this experience and and for Kim finding the courage to to come and be on our podcast and share her story. And um, we obviously pray for all of our listeners, but I, I would like to pray mm-hmm. specifically for Kim, Lord, that you continue to carry her through this season mm-hmm. and um, that you would bless her in this new relationship. We thank you mm-hmm. so much for your provisions on that. Um, gosh, what a beautiful thing to find that connection again. And we, we just thank you so much for providing that in her life. And that, um, and Lord, that even when she was angry at you, that she was still coming to you. And um, so we hope we pray Lord that you would help her find that uh, deep connection with you again, and just remind her that as she reaches out to you, you will reach out to her. Um, and we pray, Lord, for for guidance and wisdom um, for her in, in this relationship that she's in, and that everybody around her would um, be very understanding and compassionate um, of the things she's been through, and that um, you would provide good friends good comfort, and lots of grown-up conversations. (laughs) And we ask all that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we have a couple things. I'm mixing it up. I'm not saying the normal thing. (laughs) A couple exciting things I wanted to share. Um, So as a lot of you know, I have a nonprofit called Widow Goals. Um, It's the whole theme is widows helping widows not only survive, but thrive. And now widow too soon is actually a ministry of widow goals. So it's really exciting. Um, we're basically being sponsored by widow goals. So you're going to hear us talk about it off and on. So widow goals really provides three things. So it started with like a dream a little over a year ago to be able to widow, I mean, uh, minister to widows full time. So you may or may not know, we don't get paid at all for the podcast, (laughs) Um, but eventually someday we might be able to do that. So the main thing widow goals does right now is provides, um, um, scholarships for people to do grief recovery. So grief recovery, you've heard me talk about before is a method that I totally believe in. We also do events, um, local here in Vancouver, Washington. And eventually we'd like to do them all over. We'd like to do retreats, things like that. And then a big part of what we do is provide podcasts, social media, and things like that. So you'll be hearing us talk more and more. If you're like, wait, is it widow goals? Or is it widow too soon? The podcast is widow too soon, but we are sponsored by widow goals. So I just wanted to share a little bit about that. Also, you may have seen um mark and i have started writing a book and we have chapter one it's actually really exciting if you want to read it there's a link below um and you'll get to read our first chapter as well as be on our um, email list to get notified every time there is a new podcast out which you know that you can also subscribe and that will go directly um to your phone if you subscribe to one of the podcasts so anyways Long story short, those are a little bit, a few of our exciting things going on. If you did like this podcast, you can give it a little bing, five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. New feature, we're doing a lot of our um, videos. So we're, we have a YouTube channel, if you don't know that, link is below where you can see the video. And also on Spotify, if you're a listener on Spotify, you can see the video of our podcast. Um, so you can see what we all look like, which is really fun. <laughs> So anyways, thanks um, again for being here, Kim. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Yes. And we hope you all have a good week until next time. Bye. God bless.